One of the hardest jobs in any church community is that of the treasurer. It is also one of the least appreciated. Uh, We are very fortunate in this church. Jared Davis has been our treasurer for almost two years. He has done an excellent job. I have worked with him on a number of committees and a number of projects. Uh, We are fortunate to have him, and today he is our speaker. Thanks, George. That was a pretty glowing review. I hope I can... uh... I've actually been treasurer. This is my second term as treasurer. I'm going on four years. Um, I'm just finishing up my, uh, my second term. Um, it suits me. I'm a data guy. Good old dependable data. Data doesn't lie. Data doesn't have an agenda. Raw data is pragmatic and unflinchingly honest. I can relate to that. I know that spirituality is not my strong suit. I'm not the guy you go to if you have a spiritual crisis. I have found my niche in this church, and because of that, my time on the board has been highly rewarding. I have to admit I've been tested. My focus on finance sometimes results in tunnel vision. I find myself consulting the checkbook rather than my own set of values when making decisions. And because of that, I fear that I have not done my part to protect the long-term health of this church. I'm willing to make mistakes as long as someone else is willing to learn from them. I have a story that I think is relevant to where I'm going with this. Believe me, it all ties together in the end. I have a four-year-old nephew. His name is Tyler. And uh, he's my older sister's son. He lives in uh, California. And my parents live in Phoenix. So Tyler spends a lot of time in Phoenix uh, visiting Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, My parents go to church every Sunday. And when Tyler is in town, they take him along. Uh, One Sunday, while coming back from church... Tyler announces from the back seat that when he gets home, he wants to hang out in his underwear. He just states it. I I guess, um, and I guess since Grandma and Grandpa can't think of any reason that this isn't a good good idea, their response is, uh, sure, why not? So Tyler gets home, immediately strips down to his underoos, and goes about his day, which consists mostly of playing in his room and watching TV. We still have a strict no-going-outside-in-your-underwear policy in the Davis household. We do have standards. So Tyler's chilling in his underwear uh, when dinner rolls around. But dinner, now dinner in my house is a pretty formal event. Everyone is expected to sit politely at the dinner table and engage in polite dinner conversation. So when Tyler comes to the dinner table in just his underwear, my father asks, aren't we forgetting something? To which Tyler says, oh yeah. And he runs back to his room only to appear ten seconds later, still in his underwear, but with a Mickey Mouse hat on. I don't know how they kept a straight face throughout. They, they just let him do that. They, I don't know how they kept a straight face the whole time. Uh, this story has become lore in my family and has even affected our lexicon because two weeks later, after this incident, I'm talking to my father about the Arizona immigration policy. My father and I are on opposite ends of the political spectrum. And he's going on and on about how this policy is going to be such, so much good and how much sense it makes and yada, yada, yada. And I simply state, Dad, I think immigration is a serious issue in Arizona. Unfortunately, in this case, I'm afraid they didn't solve the problem. They just put a Mickey Mouse hat on it. 
So putting a Mickey Mouse hat on the problem has become parlance for addressing the issue in a way that is quite popular, but doesn't really solve the problem. Looking back at my time on the board, I can think of a few instances in which we just put a Mickey Mouse hat on the problem, and I know that a lot of it is my fault. One in particular is how we've dealt with the budget and fair compensation issue. We have known for years that this current setup is not sustainable. Churches our size do not have a multi-million dollar building with a mortgage and a DRE and a minister and an office manager and a bookkeeper. And yet every year we ask the congregation to step up and keep it going. Then we feel bad when we don't hit our pledge goal. Instead of fixing the brakes, we just gave it a a louder horn. We have managed to get by with stopgap solutions like reducing hours or neglecting regular building maintenance. We have approached this as a money issue, but it's really not. Based on the data, our pledges are right where they should be, and they're right where I expect them to be. We also collect a higher percentage of our, of our pledges than most churches, and we do it year in and year out. We have increased our median pledge every year for the last three years, even in a down economy. So the question is, do we have a problem? And furthermore, if it isn't money, what is it? George Land wrote a seminal book called Grow or Die that is typically thought of as a business book, but it really relates to any social structure. The basic premise is that every social system, from marriage to business to small groups, has three distinct phases. Phase one is called the forming stage and is characterized by experimentation and excitement. Think of a new relationship or a new business. Uh, Phase two occurs uh, after norms are established, roles are defined, excitement and buy-in levels off. Finally, there's a decline phase called phase three. All social structures go through all three phases all the time. And the, the time of each phase can vary substantially, but there's one huge caveat. Any social structure can change and adapt, and instead of completely dying in phase three, uh, can start a brand new phase one. The trick is that most of the time, it's hard to tell which phase you're in. Usually there is a crisis that makes an obvious demarcation between phase two and phase three. Without a crisis or a watershed moment, systems that are in phase three don't do anything. And eventually they die or they merge out of existence. I just spent a lot of time explaining how I don't think we are in a financial crisis. I do think that we are in an early decline phase, and I think the danger is that this time it isn't obvious. If it were a money issue, we would know right away. We can look back at the history of this church, and we could probably identify two or three times where we've been in a decline phase. But we always recover, because in those cases, the problem has a name. It is easier to rally around a cause but it is much more difficult to motivate people around stagnation. And stagnation is exactly what I would call the crisis we currently face. Attendance at service has been in decline, and the number of uh, pledge units has decreased this year. I'm not the person to be preaching about church attendance, by the way. I've been here maybe three times in the last three months. I'm not a model member. I can certainly understand that church attendance may not be an appropriate measuring stick when trying to determine the vitality of a Unitarian church. As a group, we do not have the same attendance habits or expectations as our friends across the street. I can think of a hundred reasons for that, but it really all comes down to the fact that most of us do not require weekly church attendance for spiritual growth. Oh, and there's no threat of hell. (laughs) I know that we all have different beliefs about eternity, but I am pretty sure we all agree that there isn't someone up there checking a box every time you attend church. 
So my honest question is this. What do we expect of each other? I'm not sure I would put weekly attendance on my list of expectations of fellow members because I consider regular attendance more of an output than an input. Attendance is one thing that we use to measure vitality, but it is not vitality itself. No, I would say that the most basic level we should expect each other to contribute their time and energy to forward the mission of this church. And what is the mission of this church? Let's all say it together. No, I'm just kidding. Um, We do have a mission. Uh, Here it is. Uh, We, as a loving and caring spiritual community, resolve to promote diversity through free expression and ideas and beliefs, encourage intellectual and spiritual growth, and provide an environment for social activism and community service. We believe the search for the, we believe the truth, I'm sorry, we believe the search for truth is a journey, not a destination. In this spirit, all are welcome. That's the mission of this church. I think it's a great mission. I also think that if we actively pursue this mission, everything else falls into place. If we're a visible presence in the community, we'll attract like-minded individuals. If we are visi- a sense of community is a natural result of promoting diversity and encouraging growth, and having a sense of community is what drives attendance. Today is the start of the pledge drive. I'm going to be straight with you. We need your pledge, and we appreciate it. But just as importantly, we need you. But keep this in mind. The silent auction this year was an amazing success. Thanks, thanks to everybody who worked so hard to, to keep it going. Um, but the silent auction almost didn't happen. The, ple- the pledge drive is a vital church activity that requires a lot of man hours to pull off. And this year, it almost didn't happen. I had one of my proudest moments as a board member last month when after three years of work, we were, we were able to figure out a way to get to fair compensation. We can do it on paper. But we cannot do it for real without member support. We understand that there will be weeks when Susan and Barbara will not be here, and we will need to rely on members to have have the service. Without member support, those services will not happen. There is work to be done, and we need all kinds of people to do it. Whether you like well-defined tasks with a definite beginning and end, or open-ended projects that require creativity and organization, there is a way for you to contribute to this community. Whether you are a veteran member or you just signed the book, your time is valuable to us. Now let me tell you a little bit about what you get in return for your your commitment. First of all, you get immediate gratification. Serving this church on the board has been an amazing experience for me. I have grown as a person, and I have developed friendships that will last a lifetime. I have had the opportunity to work with some really great people, and we have done some really great things. I actually enjoy the board meetings, even the ones that go on until 11 o'clock at night. So donating time and energy is rewarding on its face. Secondly, it's better than the alternative. If we do not get member support, then we need to go to plan B. That means corporate sponsorships. (laughs) GE has offered to buy the naming rights to our church. All we have to do is change our name to All Souls Unitarian Universal Studios. General Mills will give us money if we refer to any deities as the Green Giant. And they'll give us a bonus if we add the ho-ho-ho. These offers are tempting, 
Like I said, it's tough for me to sometimes to put the needs of the church ahead of the financial needs of the church. I think we're safe for now. We're scrappy and we're resourceful. Our membership is bright and energetic. Bright and crisp, like the flavor of this Pepsi. Yes, refreshing. Now that's obeying your thirst. Just a reminder, uh, there's no Saints game today, so please consider sticking around afterwards for the Opportunity Fair. And be sure to sign up for something. If you haven't completed your forms, pledge forms yet, you can drop them off in the office. And uh, just in case it matters, uh, to, your, to the amount that you're going to write on your pledge form, we're serving lasagna at the at the Opportunity Fair. Thank you.